Thank you for joining The Secret Chord, a weekly exploration of music and spirituality. I'm your host, Adam Jacobs. Hi, folks. So in this week's session of The Secret Chord, I have a special treat for you. Um, I have a a famous musician from a very famous band, but a record and a song that most people probably have never heard of. The artist is named Gene Clark, and he was a founding member of The Birds. Um, He was one of their writers and singers and guitar player for a while. Um, You probably have heard things that he's written like Feel a Whole Lot Better, or Set You Free This Time, or one of my all-time favorites, which is called Eight Miles High. And the reason you might not have heard of him is because he tried to launch a solo career after the birds, which actually didn't go that far, unfortunately, because I think some of what he produced is absolutely magnificent. And the album that I'm drawing from, and one that I highly recommend, is called No Other. And the song is called Strength of Strings. Um, So I'd like to break the song up into two parts. There is a 90 second intro, and then there's the rest of the song. And I think they need to be treated separately. Um, I would describe the opening as a kind of tribal chant there it's a long intro that occurs in three phases which become increasingly more intense each time um building up to a sort of crescendo before the song really kicks in which happens at the one minute and 30 second mark so this to me is gene accessing his muse before he really gets the song going And it reminded me of a very ancient practice, which is recorded in the Talmud. It says that King David, in order to enter into higher states of consciousness, would wake up in the middle of the night and play this stringed instrument that he had, and that that would bring him to these elevated levels of understanding. And so there was an obvious connection between states of higher consciousness and wisdom um, and music which, of course, is the theme of this podcast. So to start things off, let's listen to the opening 90 seconds of Strength of Strings.
Okay. Now comes the great part. The song really kicks into high gear from this point forward. And um, although I have a lot of my own things to say about my feelings when I hear, especially from 1 minute 30 seconds until 2 minutes, um, I did do some research online and I found that there are diehard Gene Clark fans out there. And I just love what one of them wrote about it. And so I'm going to just quote you directly from what he says. Um, So he says that this section of the song soars heavenward on the wings of the seraphic chorale. What occurs in those 30 seconds constitutes some of the most exhilarating, deeply soulful music I have ever heard. For those brief seconds, Clark's case for music as a profound mystical spiritual force is made without having uttered a word. It is, quite simply, a moment of transcendence. I couldn't agree more and would just add, like, you know, isn't that the point? This is what music is supposed to do. It's bringing us from where we are to some other higher place. Let's listen to the rest of the song.
one of the main themes of the song is that words don't do justice to music. And his opening line is, in my life the piano sings, brings me words that are not the strength of strings. Which to me means that, you know, he's playing his tune, the music's pouring through him, pouring out of him, but the words that come to mind just don't do justice to the music. And even though he's really pushing his register and his vocals, um, and in fact, according to uh, the website that I looked at, I love also uh, what the writer says here. He says, Gene sounds as though he's poised on the bridge of a ship, cursing into the eye of a fearsome gale. I, I love that description. And uh, he has such a plaintive, you know, deep voice. Um, and along with the, the tune as it's unfolding is just fantastic. But he, had, he freely admits that uh, he's at a loss to make the, to come up with any words that are going to match the music that he's producing. And, you know, a lot of people, philosophers and artists have noticed this. There are some truly gifted, you know, writers out there, poets and um, singer-songwriters who are able to translate the music in, um, in, into the written word. But most aren't really able to do that. Um, as Arnold Bennett once said, that music is a language with, which the soul alone understands, but which the soul can never translate. So I agree. When I uh, hear this song and many others, I don't, you know, I don't need to know always what the lyrics are or what they mean to get a tremendous amount from it. Obviously, classical music is often wordless. Much of the world's great music is wordless, including um, world music. Some of my favorite folk pieces are in foreign languages, and it's totally fine. I don't need to know what's being said because something is being said on a different level. In thinking about that, I recalled uh, the words of the great King Solomon from 3,000 years ago when he says in Ecclesiastes, all words are wearisome. One becomes speechless. Yeah, what exactly is the word supposed to do? How are you supposed to match um, the experience of the transcendental, which is, which is the music in this case? I also reflected that just like in music, God and spirituality... These are things that are very hard to articulate. You know, you can more experience them than you can talk about them. It's more of a knowing than anything else. Um, and fortunately, yes, religious experience, um, beauty, music, many things can bring you to that state of awareness um, and the spoken and written word sometimes can do it, but often can't. And here Gene is saying he admits that he can't do it. The title of the song, as I mentioned, is called The Strength of Strings, and it got me thinking um, about mathematics. So I'm sure everyone has heard of the famous mathematician Pythagoras, who uh, was one of the founders of trigonometry. And um, outside of doing math, 
he was also very well known for his thoughts on music. And he was one of the people who discovered the relationship between the length of a string um, and, and, and the concept of intervals, which is, for instance, if you take a string and you pluck it, it makes a certain tone. If you divide that string in half, it produces an interval called an octave, which is the same tone, but on a higher register. And he was one of the people involved in discovering, you know, the perfect fifth and the perfect fourth and, um, and the octave and so on and so forth. But um, so he was obviously very bright and very steeped in both the mathematical and musical worlds. But what people know less is that people who studied Pythagoras, philosophers, were interested in the deeper aspect, both of mathematics and of music and at another time we can talk about some of the wild things that mathematicians write when they try to describe what math means to them and and their their discovery of a mathematical world and how transcendent they ultimately feel it is i found uh, on a philosophical website this description that pythagorean philosophers advanced the unshakable belief that the essence of all things are numbers and that the universe was sustained by harmony. According to ancient sources, music was central to the lives of those practicing Pythagoreanism. They used medicine for the purification of the body, which was called catharsis, and music for the purification of the soul. Pythagoreans use different types of music to arouse or calm their souls. Well, I mean, what exactly do we use music for now? Why do we play music? Why do we listen to it? It's an arousal. Sometimes it's calming and sometimes it's energizing. But whatever it is, it is a powerful and significant experience to many, many people. And one, as I have argued and will continue to argue, is not a reflection of physical reality, but rather of metaphysical reality. Although I think as time goes on, metaphysical reality and physical reality as understood by science is converging. A uh, prime example of that could be the idea uh, that's been put forth by some scientists called string theory. In a nutshell, string theory is the idea that the whole model that we have of electrons and protons and those little atomic structures is false. And that underlying all of physical reality are these uber small strings that stretch across the universe, the vibrations of which produce physical matter. Well, I just love that idea because underlying all of reality according to this theory are these vibrating strings it's almost as if music is a fundamental force within nature itself a building block of reality i love the concept of a singing harmonious universe that the physical world itself is being produced by strings there's a similar idea that's found in the hasidic thoughts rabbi nachman of breslov wrote about the idea that each and every blade of grass has its own song and that all of again all of physical reality is singing its own tune the stars the planets the earth and each one of us we have our own vibrations that we are connecting with our own tune 
so to speak. Pythagoras also put forward the idea of the music of the spheres, that uh, the, the, actually the planets are, are making sound. There was a debate as to whether or not that was literal or figurative, um, but that they're vibrating and, um, and, and their vibrations have particular effects. Last thought on this, the idea of music and strings and transcendence and Gene Clark, um, is I have a, an interest in, in the near-death experience. I've spoken about that and written about it in the past, and um, I, I enjoy reading about people's first-hand accounts of, of near-death experiences. There are, I've read probably hundreds of them at this point. And so I, I fished around for one that had struck me a number of months ago that the person who had experienced this near-death experience um, experienced that world as being a musical one. And he said the following thing. He said, somehow the music in the higher world calibrated everything, and I felt that nothing was rushed. Nothing waited for you because you weren't late for anything. You weren't early either, having to wait for what was to happen next. Everything happened right when it was supposed to happen, and you were right there to experience it in sync with everything. Never hurried or stressed. The music was in perfect timing. The songs had a beginning and an ending. Yet I was certain that time was stable, nothing dying or decaying, nothing hurried and nothing late. Time seemed relaxed, comfortable, and natural. The limitations and consequences of earthly time did not apply here. Time and order were intertwined as part of a perfect whole. So, again, maybe it is that when we participate in music, we are doing something far grander than it appears. Maybe we are literally tapping into a higher plane of reality, a different dimension, a higher kind of consciousness, whatever label that you'd like to give to it. And that is part of the reason why it is so satisfying to participate in, because the nature of that world is fundamentally higher and the nature of ours. And maybe it's so that music is the one vehicle that we have in this world, or maybe one of many, that can bring us there. I hope you've enjoyed The Strength of Strings, and I look forward to being back next week with a whole new song and a new set of ideas on the musical world. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening. If you would like to find more content like this, as well as information about live programming, visit us at www.aishny.com. That's www.aishny.com.